Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I think this week I've watched more people talk about video games than I have played video games. Oh, Um, really? I have played so much this week between Elder Scrolls and Dead by Daylight, but it's like, that's all stuff that I've already talked about a billion times, but oh, man. I was talking to Jim about Elder Scrolls, actually, and he was mm-hmm. saying that he spent like 1,400 hours playing it from March until like June or something. I was like, how did you even? Yeah. How did you even find that time? Maybe there Are was there a even... year in there somewhere, but I was just I like, know. holy hell, dude. <laughs> so and then then I actually found a class that I like and started playing and the hours just like melt away. I'm like, I don't even know how long I've been like I looked down at the clock this morning and it was like 9 30 a.m and then I looked up and it was like almost one o'clock and I was like where did my whole entire morning go Elder Scrolls guys Elder Scrolls <laughs> so we I mean we've obviously got a ton of easy so stuff much to talk, to talk about. about but next week are you for next week just so people can get a little tease are you playing the new the new expansion basically or are you I still- did I did buy the new expansion but I'm still mm-hmm. leveling through uh Somerset so the great okay. thing about ESO is that it does let you go anywhere but I'm like following the main storyline of Somerset and once I complete that then I'm going to go over to the to the new expansion which okay. they talked about at E3 which is a perfect segue mm-hmm. into the fact that E3 happened. <laughs> so uh, we, yeah, I know. Thank you. We had, you. Uh, yeah, a couple of really good conferences. Some not necessarily not as good conferences. I do think that there was a little bit of something for everybody at the C3, but um, some of the conferences were not for me. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, but I, well. I think one of, one of the biggest ones and what we're going to kick off with and what the show kind of kicked off with is the Microsoft conference. So mm-hmm. there, I think, is probably the most out of the Microsoft conference of all of them that I'm kind of excited and stoked about, except for maybe Nintendo. Nintendo had, like, so many things. Yeah, and there's the, uh, theirs wasn't boring. I found mm. that the Nintendo one was, like, a good 40-minute sort of I, if if i was bored it wasn't for very long whereas with microsoft or any of the other ones if i was bored i easily found myself surfing twitter waiting for the next thing to start yeah so i think from a pacing i think nintendo's nintendo's format is still uh, a winner but i guess like in terms of pacing and, and boredom like sony's was probably the best because i don't think i ever got bored during sony's mm. i actually don't remember if i watched it to be honest I do think that there's something to be said for the direct model, though, where it's Mm -hmm. like pre-recorded. So there's none of the like you're waiting for people to walk on and off the stage and, Mm -hmm. you know, lights are going up and down as trailers are being shown like that. You can cut a lot of crap out if you're just doing a pre-recorded direct like. um, Oh, what's that company? They did it in the evening one evening and they always have weird presentations and they did a developer devolver devolver. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they I like the the direct format because I mean, they had stupid kooky crap in between the games, but still it was it was fast paced. It was like Hmm. trailer, 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 trailer. And uh, yeah, compared to some of the other ones, I, I think that that style is probably like is rapidly becoming my favorite um but yeah so let's talk about microsoft so Mm. the the big thing that's kind of i guess um 
most relevant fastest is the is the Game Pass. Game Pass right now is on sale for a dollar. Not to mention they um, announced Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is essentially giving you the Xbox Game Pass on PC. Right. So yeah. So this so this is an interesting one. So um, bear bear with me here, but this is going to be worth it in the end. So Game Game Pass is called Xbox Game Pass. And then there's Xbox Game Pass PC, and then there's Xbox Live Gold. All of those are combined into one with Ultimate. Right. You can upgrade your subscription for a dollar, and then the X. And then if you don't want to do that for Ultimate, you can do uh, Xbox Game Pass PC for a buck. It's currently in beta. Um, I had to force a Windows update, so it requires the June update. So if you've been having issues with Windows updates and forcing Windows updates, you're gonna have to. You might want to stay away from from Xbox Game Pass for now on PC. However, in the upgrade to Ultimate, what it does is it takes your current subscriptions of Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Game Pass, combines them, then upgrades that total to Ultimate plus one month. So what I did was is I, I had a bunch of months of Game Pass. I went out and bought a one year of Xbox Live Gold, added it to my account, and then I upgraded for the dollar essentially getting the like $20 a month subscription for a year and a half, just at the cost of one year of Xbox live gold and whatever okay. I already had on my account. So if you're looking to get ultimate and you, and you have an Xbox one and a PC and you want to, you know, get in on this big deal, go out and buy a year of Xbox live gold. It's probably the cheapest option right now. And when you upgrade your account, essentially you're given the best subscription for one dollar, combining two lower subscriptions in one, it's right. it's kind of a stellar deal. So I think the math I mathed it out, it was like three bucks a month down from you know the twenty dollars a month it would have been to to upgrade month to month. So yeah, it's definitely worth it if you're if you have an Xbox One and you're looking. Yeah, to, so I know. currently have the Xbox Live subscription. I don't have mm-hmm. the Game Pass. So would that still that's the upgrade I can do? Yeah, so you can okay. still upgrade. So whatever your Xbox Live Gold is, it'll basically upgrade you. And I think I have I mean, about six months left because I it was a Christmas gift. My Xbox One was mm-hmm. a Christmas gift, so I feel like I activated Gold like around December, January ish. So mm-hmm. got about six months left. I think I think it's worth it, and I think Game Pass is one of those things that's really evolved from oh the crappy netflix of games to oh this is actually a really good subscription because they're adding new games and not only are they adding uh you know first party microsoft games but they're also adding games that are coming out on other platforms but microsoft still technically owns like these new companies that they've purchased so games that were unveiled that they kind of showed i think was like Outer Worlds, which is a new game from Obsidian. That one's going to launch day and date. A bunch of indie games are going to launch day and date on Xbox Game Pass. So it's becoming more of a valuable service because they're they're actually adding day and date games to it. And I think that makes the subscription worth it. Or or you can just sub whenever a new game comes out that you want to play. It's really up to you. But honestly, I'm kind of stoked to have a subscription through uh, almost through 2020 to be able to play all the games that have that have been sprinkled through this press conference. I think there's enough coming out where I'll get my money's worth for sure. Yeah, and speaking of 2020, we did get some more information about Project Scarlet, which is going to be mm. coming holiday 2020. And that's kind of my um, 
would be like my reservation is like if I buy my Xbox Live subscription, is that tied to my account? Like what if I change consoles and blah, 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 blah. But don't really have to worry about that because Project Scarlet yeah. isn't coming out until holiday. So all of this Xbox Game Pass Ultimate <laughs> is yeah. uh, if you even if you subscribe now, you're not going to have to worry about hardware issues. Well, it, you know, Microsoft, the when they've been out there this E3 and, you know, uh, Phil Spencer has been doing a really great job at basically calming all those gamers because whenever there is a generation flip you do have you have you do have these fears that a lot of your stuff that you've invested in now is going to go away but they've said with project scarlet that they're aiming to have you know forward compatibility with all accessories uh forward compatibility with all games they've pretty much confirmed that you'll be able to play any game that you can play on your xbox one x or xbox one you'll be able to play on project scarlet uh, that is something that they've put in writing and, and services, it all just, it all just ports yeah. over. Like it's part of your account. Well, the and, hardware, yeah. hardware is really interesting because another thing that they announced is the Xbox elite wireless controller series two, which I am super, mm. super stoked for because of all of the customization ability, <laughs> Cust- yeah. customizability. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter. You can, you can invent a new super, word for it. Yeah. Because you can make it super, a... super custom. You can uh, like adjust how like sensitive your triggers are and you can set like mm-hmm. locks so that you don't have to push them like all the way in. You can just tap them really fast. You can adjust like your um, sensitivity and your joist, like on your joysticks as well as the joysticks themselves. Like it looks all like modular and stuff. And you can have like, three different profiles built into it so like you push a button and it'll change how your controller works based on what profile you've set up for like different games and things like it just it looks like an awesome piece of kit and you know ryan you know how much i love the xbox controllers as opposed to Mm -hmm. like playstation or switch or whatever like xbox controllers are my jam they are hefty they are big they fit my freakishly long fingers i love (laughs) them i love them so much so i would think about wanting and investing in an xbox elite series 2 controller but then my worry would be what happens if i update to project scarlet in a year like is this am i gonna drop this big chunk of cash on this elite controller and then have it not work but like you said they're they've kind of um they're working Calm to- some of those fears. Plus it would always work with my PC, right? So yeah. And plus it's Bluetooth. So this is yeah. something new for Xbox controllers. Uh, this one is Bluetooth. So uh, actually, I mean, you are, you have, you're on Android now. So obviously this is as a Bluetooth controller should work, but come this fall with iOS 13, any iOS device will be compatible with Xbox and PS4 controllers. And they've gotten more and more with these like streaming cloud, you know, mm-hmm. services. Oh God, so I that, think everyone yeah. has some sort of streaming cloud something at E3. It's like every single presentation, even ones that you weren't yeah. expecting. Like even Bethesda was like, hey oh guys, we're doing like cloud stuff. Woo. And I was like, okay. <laughs> at least that was tech. I, I can, I, I'm fine with, you know, the people who bought id working on tech. That's, that's all good. Yeah. But I was worried like, no, no. You can't compete with Microsoft and Google. You just know. <laughs> All you have are shooters. And and I mean, I get it. You, you, you showed a shooter that works on streaming. That's great. But um, I, I think what they're, yeah, it's, the thing is like, I think streaming is, is where it's at with streaming. You can kind of, you can do it well enough. Uh, but the real test will be whether you can do it perfectly. Because again, 
there's always going to be that difference between playing on a box that where the where the media is physically on that box and you're playing it on the TV between streaming it and if streaming is going to cost the same as a physical disc of course I'm going to have that physical disc or that mm-hmm. physical download why would I spend $80 for a chug fest um it's just uh, it, it doesn't compute to me and we don't have the business model for Stadia yet but I you bet your bottom dollar they're going to charge 80 bucks for a game to play on Stadia. Mm. It's not going to be discounted. Yeah, that, that would be insane. They know they can get the 80 bucks if it works. So, yeah. Why not? And that's kind of the big question, because that was basically the, the two big things coming out of E3 from basically every company was like some kind of cloud based streaming something and mm-hmm. some sort of subscription to I like work in conjunction with that or you know like but, but everybody has like made their own Netflix for games now like Xbox yeah. talked about it Ubisoft talked about it um I feel like there was another one too well I mean Nintendo's got one as well right so mm-hmm. like it just everybody was like hey guess what you can pay us a flat monthly fee and then you get new games and you know that was those two things were really the new hotness and it, it just depends again at least with the subscriptions you can download and play right so the the Mm -hmm. subscriptions aren't necessarily only streaming but i mean that's that was the big stuff is is streaming and and subscriptions yeah i mean we've talked about this before like these companies need to find a way to subsidize their games at eight dollars and if the u.s government's going to step in for loot boxes then subscriptions they won't ban subscriptions you need they need another revenue source and i think like um, Microsoft is basically doubling down on services with the fact that they have three distinct services and one master service. And then also they're going to be adding a fourth one with xCloud or mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out, they don't have the business model down for xCloud, but they talked about, you know, xCloud and, and how that's going to work. And they actually announced that if you have an Xbox one, you basically already have an xCloud server and they're going to let you do that for free. So essentially you'll be able to play the games you own off your Xbox one on through X cloud on a device. And you know, the crazy thing is you can already do that sort of like there is the Xbox streaming app on your windows PC, but it, it, you know, it doesn't really make sense if you're, it's only local network, but obviously X cloud is, is through anywhere in the world. It's through the cloud. Right. So, um, yeah. But yeah. And uh, Manny in the chat room is asking, can I get one subscription with a great library? I'm tired of every publisher under the sun wanting me to give them $10, maybe for one new game every three months that I, I might be interested in and I mean it's a, it's an interesting question but at the same time I actually and I was going to say this when we got to the the Ubisoft presentation but we might as well just kind of cover Uplay Plus now because mm-hmm. it's kind of part and parcel of this whole streaming service conversation I'm actually super stoked about it as and I mean I know I'm probably a very unique gamer because I do this show mm-hmm. but like I'm super stoked that I might be able to pay like an annual subscription for Game Pass Ultimate plus a Uplay subscription that has a really awesome library, a lot of games that I have actually never played because even at like $40, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to have the time to do this. Like even if you look at Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I think I've put 10 hours into that. Not because it's a bad game, just because I, I struggled to find some time to just sit down. Like when I'm thinking of games I should play it's like it just never pops up because it's sitting on a box upstairs as opposed to on my pc so it's just like if I can get all of these different services I might end up paying 40 50 bucks a month for all of these different streaming services 
But if that means that I never actually have to pay 80 bucks for a AAA title again, then it's the value is going to kind of like rotate through. So like even at 50 bucks a month, that's less than me buying one AAA title a month. And let's be honest, I buy more than that. So yeah, I'm excited the... as long like I'm really excited about all of this because I also think that um, by the time a game is removed from the catalog, which I don't even think that we've really seen. I know that the the Game Pass is a is a very curated catalog, but I think as long as a game is still relevant, they're going to keep it in the catalog, right? As long as people well, are still downloading it and playing it, they're not going to be like, oh, Sea of Thieves is not on Game Pass anymore. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like these uh, these passes we're talking about. It's not like it's like Netflix in the yeah. sense that the games you really the reason you subscribe to Netflix are for the Netflix originals. That's the reason you subscribe now. So those aren't going away. Just like with Xbox Game Pass, the Microsoft titles aren't going away. They're lifers. Same thing with Uplay. You're playing, you're doing Uplay because you want to play Ubisoft games. They're not going to go away. Um, the really cool thing that I thought was was neat about Uplay Plus was that it's it's weird. People are probably listening. This, this is the first show I've I've heard people psyched about subscriptions. But you're <laughs> right. Like it's it's really one of those things where do I want to invest eighty dollars in this game to maybe jump out after two weeks, maybe three? Mm -hmm. uh, but with Uplay Plus, it actually includes DLC as well, and that's something that that's differs huge. from the Xbox Game yeah. Pass. It's it's really big because honestly, when you look at Anthem uh and the ea uh, access premiere you you would sub for a month and then jump out and probably never come back but the fact that you play plus includes dlc that's a smart business move because it it has you keeping the subscription longer to continue playing new content coming to the game i think that's a really smart move and honestly i think it's interesting because both xbox and Uplay Plus are doing that with uh, now Uplay sounds like they're they're doing the ultimate editions for most games and mm -hmm. DLC that will be included. So launching in October, fourteen ninety nine US a month, and that is launching with um, Breakpoint Ultimate Edition. So like all the DLC for that new Ghost Recon game, and then Xbox Game Pass is going to be launching Gears Five Ultimate Edition uh, with the Game Pass Ultimate. So that's going to give you all the DLC. Coming How many times can you say ultimate in one sentence there? <laughs> ultimate editions on Game Pass Ultimate from for Ultimate Gears 5 Ultimate Playtime. <laughs> it's, and that's the that's the problem with subscriptions. And, and I think in terms of um, is there a subscription where I can just pay $10 and get access to it all? Yeah, it's called month to month and canceling. And and, and that, like, I, I know it's yeah, not that's the answer, true. but you, you, you can be. It depends on how picky. savvy you are. Yeah. yeah, you can be picky. And I do that sometimes. You know, Netflix is my go-to. I have it all the time. But, you know, sometimes I'll sub to other subscriptions. Like Amazon's another one I always have access to. But um, but like Xbox Game Pass, I wasn't subbing, you know, for a year at a time. I was subbing at any time there was like a, a deal for like mm -hmm. a buck for a month or a buck for two months. And, or a or title you're a really yeah interested in yeah. and and i think that that like i'm much more of a set it and forget it kind of person mm. and there are so many companies that have gotten so much money out of me when i haven't used their service for like six months but i might have paid them 60 bucks and then all of a sudden i'm like oh 
here now I'm getting a hundred dollars of value in July when I've been paying since January. So still worth it, you know? So that's it. I mean, I could, I could definitely, and I I know Matt's probably listening to this and honey, I'm sorry. I'm so frivolous (laughs) with my money, but you could, you could absolutely go in and say like, okay, for, you know, January, there's some sort of DLC launching for a thing that I like. So I'm going to go in and and pay for that then. And then, Mm -hmm cancel it for February, but then, you know, get it again in August. And, you know, like you, you could manage your subscriptions for sure. Pain in the ass. Absolutely. But I do Uh, think that like in the end, you're going to end up, I think, or at least me as, as the type of gamer that I am, where I am buying multiple AAA titles, usually a month. So I'm would say on average over the course of the year, obviously there's sometimes like summer is slower and then like holiday is, mm. is more, but you know, over the course of the year, I probably buy about 24 to 25 AAA titles. That's a lot of money. So if I can, you know, save money by managing subscriptions and stuff, then I'm absolutely going to do this. So like, I'm going to upgrade my game pass or my um, xbox live for a dollar and get the game pass ultimate absolutely mm-hmm. i'm going to sub to Uplay because Uplay has a whole bunch of titles including some watchdog stuff that i never played and i'm super stoked to try so you know that allows me to get in play and see if i like these AAA titles in a way that isn't just a demo so it's not like the tutorial it's not a curated mm-hmm. experience it's not a like half hour chunk of time it's like Go ahead and play what you want. And if you like it, you just get to keep playing. <laughs> There's no yeah. like paywall saying, give us $80 now. You've played it for 20 minutes. Like you should know if you like it or not. Sometimes I don't know if I like a game or not for like a good solid chunk of gameplay. <laughs> yeah. And actually for Uplay Plus, if you go to the Ubisoft website, uh, if you sign up early, you get a free month. Starting, there you go. I think the month of September will be yeah. free, basically. So it's... Yeah, they're trying to get you into their ecosystem. But again, uh, if you're a smart consumer and you want to like, you know, manage your subscriptions, I think that's where you can kind of min max. And if you know, oh, in October, there's a new game or September is Game Pass because Gears 5. October is Uplay Plus because uh, because of uh, Breakpoint. And then November is EA Access Premiere because of uh, the Star Wars thing um redhead dude with the lightsaber i don't know um star wars so you 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 can kind of like go through it and really what we've talked about is just spending you know 50 bucks across three months for three triple a games yeah so which is a huge deal and if you and if you like it or if you don't finish it in the month then you can carry that on and cancel when you're Mm -hmm. done with the game so and and like i mentioned there are on, I mean, Game Pass has, I think, over 100 titles. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. many Uplay has, but when they were showing all the games that were on Uplay Plus, I was like, oh, my God, like, I want to play that one and that one and that one and that one. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they're all titles that I've never purchased before. There's some, like, Assassin's Creed stuff I've never played. There's some, like I said, Watch Dogs. Like, there's just, there's a ton, a ton of titles. I feel like just watching their little trailer, there was probably about four AAA titles that they featured that I'm like, oh, I've never bought that before. I always wanted to try it. Well, I can go spend 15 bucks and try them all and see what I like and see what I don't like. So Mm -hmm. I think that these are pretty consumer friendly uh, when we're looking at the cost of games. And the other thing about subscriptions is, Often they'll give you a discount if you do sub for six months at a time, a year at a time, whatever the case is. And 
usually that's going to be a pretty good deal. So, I mean, mm. I don't know. I'm I'm on board, I think, with all of these subscriptions. Because, again, like, they're until basically I'm going to be on board with subscriptions until we get to the point where I'm super stoked on Watch Dogs 1 and I'm playing it and then the it's like May 31st and then June 1st ticks over and all of a sudden the game that I'm playing is gone. When that happens, if that ever happens, then I'll be pissed. But until that time, like you usually get a warning when things are going to leave a, a service. So, yeah, it's it's unlikely. But that is but the thing, were... right? You don't actually own your game. So that's no, the problem. you have a subscription. And, and but I really, think in... I mean, when you kind of when you think about it. All of the titles that I've bought recently, with the exception mm -hmm. of a few Nintendo Switch titles, have all been digital purchases. Most of the games that I own, actually, I think all of the games that I own on my PC are on Steam. If Steam right. tomorrow decided, you know what? We don't exist anymore. Then I don't own any games anymore. <laughs> so, you know, like it's not we're not really living in the time of you know, physical media anymore. So I I don't know. I, I guess I have less of a problem with subscriptions than some people who have a problem not actually owning their games. I'm like, mm, my games are all ones and zeros. I don't have any discs anymore. So I don't yeah. have a feeling of ownership right now. <laughs> you, you have you have a license to it. So again, like that, there's there's something tangible to that. But yeah, with a subscription. Well, I mean, so yeah, OK, technically you have a license. But if the company mm. giving you that license suddenly ceases to exist, you can't I can't turn on my computer and, and play the game if it if it's not there anymore. <laughs> like, if no, it, no, if no, it won't right. run anymore, um, mm. as opposed to like I have Battle for Middle Earth, which was a super amazing RTS from like the early 2000s. I have those discs. I could plug that into my PC right now and I could play that game. I don't even know if that company's still around, but the game still works. <laughs> EA? I'm pretty sure they're still around. Oh, yeah, I guess that was an EA title, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, maybe not for long. They only had like one game to show for, so. <laughs> yeah, but no, I uh, I don't have any feeling of ownership over my games as it is, so I feel like... And actually, I don't have any ownership. I don't a feeling of ownership even over my like and this is probably Netflix's fault, but mm -hmm. I don't even like over like my movies and stuff like technically I air quotes own a whole bunch of movies and TV series on uh, Google Play. But again, I have no physical Blu-ray disc of that. So I'm just mm -hmm. like, eh, I paid you $15, assuming that Google is always going to let me watch I don't even know what um, uh, I think like house on haunted hill or something like, but I, they could decide tomorrow. Nah, that's not part of our library anymore. So well, yeah. And yeah. I, like I said, I think that's a lot of um, a lot of Netflix's fault because mm -hmm. I'm used to paying X number of dollars a month for a rotating catalog of television and movies. So, yeah. you know, I like um, I don't think friends is on. Netflix anymore so you know I had for like two years I had access to all the seasons of friends I watched all the seasons of friends it's not a thing that I can do anymore am I mad about it nope <laughs> it's just the way that entertainment works now so <laughs> it's I think you, you 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 said the right word it was that it's it used to be about ownership and now it's about access the mm -hmm. fact that I can access through one subscription bunch of television shows and movies from any device in the house uh, with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, the fact that I can play a, a catalog of Xbox games or a catalog of PC games and, and 
some of them brand new as they come out for one low price. It's like, yeah, that's, that's about access, not about ownership. And I'm fine with that. If I want to own a game, then yeah, I'll go out and buy it and I'll have a disc. And a lot of people buy discs because they trade them in and that's fine. Like that's your prerogative. Personally, it gives me anxiety when I try to trade games in because I right now they actually it does. <laughs> it gives say, me anxiety. It gives me anxiety because I have to leave the house. So I prefer to just push a button and get a game. <laughs> well, I don't like leaving the house either or but I do like going to EB games and sometimes engaging with the staff and Last time I went there, actually, sometimes engaging with the staff. Sometimes, sometimes. I tell them to screw right off. <laughs> no, no, I don't need help, sir. <laughs> sometimes it's nice because because uh, one last time I went, uh, Caden and Abigail were with me, and they had like a Beyblade tournament. So like they let Caden play Beyblades, and they gave him a free Beyblade, and I thought that was kind of cool. So sometimes you get free stuff when you engage and be nice to people. <laughs> when you leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> no but thanks. But no, <laughs> I actually, in Canada here, EB Games uh, launched a website where you can actually, for the first time, look up live how much a game is worth. Don't yeah. do it. It'll it'll <laughs> hurt you. Your soul will fade into your into your feet. Like you just, it, it will not be good. I think uh, I went worth to like two bucks. I know I went to trade in a game one time. Um, mm -hmm. I can't even remember what it was. It was something that I bought a physical disc for. This was like years ago, like probably mm -hmm. a good like four, maybe even five years ago. I can't even remember what the title was, but I bought it. I tried it. It was terrible and I hated it. And I took it back to the store within like, I want to say three days, maybe four days. And I was like, you know, I just want to trade this in. Like, what will you give me? Like, it was still in the release week of this game. And they like would give me not even it was like 20 bucks or $25 for like what was a $70 game. I'm like, hmm. not even 50% of the screw you. I'm keeping it. I never played it again, but <laughs> they didn't steal my game from me. <laughs> for only $20. <laughs> well, uh, you know, a recent experience I had was when I bought the Xbox One X, they had they only had bundles with games. One was Fallout 76, the other was like NBA 2K whatever, and I wanted the white Xbox and that the only one that was white came with Fallout 76. So, I Ashley was actually buying it cuz I think it was Boxing Day and I'm like I'm not going near that store unboxing <laughs> so she was there and she bought the xbox and she asked the clerk like oh if i take this game back to you like can my husband trade it in for another game and he's like oh yeah of course no problem and me thinking like oh great shrink wrapped brand new game never been opened never been played i'll be able to just trade it in for some other 80 dollars game and i don't know why i thought that because that <laughs> is the most foolish thing you could ever think when working with eb games so uh, sure enough, I traded in. You're right. Like you get like 20 bucks for it. And the only reason I got 20 bucks is because I think it doubled in value due to some deal that was going on. So it was actually only worth 10. I, <laughs> I thought to myself, like when I traded it in, I think I got I think it was like 25 bucks. And see I see what you need to do there is mm. if you still have it shrink wrapped, if it's never been opened and never been played, what you need to actually do is like go to Walmart they don't ask any questions. You just go to Walmart and say, my wife bought me this. She can't find the receipt. It's unopened. And there you yeah. go. <laughs> Full I <think> value. <laughs> I think because it was, uh, and I've had this, I've, I've had this happen before. I think because it was in uh, one, like an, in an Xbox bundle, it had like not for resale. Oh on yeah. It. Damn. So that probably would have caused, <laughs> caused an issue, but you're right. Like if you go to Walmart and say you have a shrink wrap game and say like, Oh, I, uh, I bought, I got, it was gifted the wrong platform. Um, can I trade it in and get something else? Uh, they will do it, but 
I think their policy is like over 50 bucks. They won't, mm-hmm. they, they will give you, they will give you words. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> yeah, you can see, say like, you just stand oh, there and don't know. listen to the words and then it's fine. <laughs> I mean, they deal with much worse people on a daily basis buying yeah. like stuff that they probably wear or consume and try Ugh. to return. <laughs> so the fact that we're returning a shrink wrap game, it's like, you know what? You're not worth you're not worth the trouble. Yeah. Let's, let's mosey you on through. Like, this isn't used underwear. We can have this. Oh. We can move through this. On that note, we should get yeah. back on track. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> the Microsoft conference. Uh, right. So we've talked about uh, Project Scarlet. We've talked about, uh, or at least what we know about Project Scarlet, which, to be honest, yeah. is not much. Basically, no. when they were talking about Project Scarlet, they were like, it's going to be better because tech things. And I was like, okay. <laughs> well, SSD was the big one. Oh my mentioned. God. There was one dude who was like, mm. um, we have SSDs working in conjunction with solid state drives. I was like, that's what SSD stands for. <laughs> I might be stupid when it comes to tech, but I'm not that stupid. <laughs> you can't say acronym works with full name. With full name, the- exactly. So I'm like, okay, are they just talking out their butts for, about this whole entire system? Or is there some actual like tech stuff to be excited about here? And I feel like it's the next gen console. They're yeah. going to be better. They're going to run 4 or 8K. They're going to, you know be the best they've ever been and insert hype words here. But uh, I mean, let's be honest, I'm going to get a PlayStation 5. I'm going to get an Xbox Scarlet or whatever the hell they call it. But mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Well, They're going to be great. Whatever. Yeah. So the fact <laughs> I'm that more maybe stoked people... about the controller, to be honest. <laughs> well, the fact that people have asked the question like, ooh, is the Xbox One generation last you know, console of this type? And no, like the the Project Scarlet, the PS5, what they've been saying, it's essentially a new box. And they're essentially on par. They're both talking about, you know, high-end CPU, GPU, uh, SSD architecture, all that fun stuff. That's, you know, teraflops, ray tracing. Mm-hmm. It, those are the words that both companies are using. Uh, the only difference was is that Microsoft put together a flashy, like, video about it. Yeah. And, and uh, PlayStation just did a Wired article. So, like... There's there's a difference between the two, but not in the hardware. I think it's going to be very similar, uh, and they're both going to do backwards compatibility. That's something they're both talking about. Uh, cloud services is that going to be the last box? Probably not. You're probably going to get a half step as well. You know, I I think that's the new norm. Um, but holiday confirming holiday 2020 basically sets the bar for when we're going to get um, this Project Scarlet and the PS5. Uh, I'm assuming. But um, alongside Project Scarlet, they they showed the first Project Scarlet game. It's launching with Project Scarlet, which is Halo Infinite. Um, I was going to say, are there any are there any games that you're like super stoked about from the Microsoft conference? And Halo uh, Halo would be the thing, right? <laughs> For you? I don't know. Like the funny thing is, is that I think Halo is one of those things like it's like World of Warcraft for me. It it's something that holds a special place in, you know, my gaming history but what I saw of Halo Infinite, I was like, mm, I don't, yeah, like it's just a dude talking to another dude and he just happens to sound like the Master Chief. I, I, I like Halo and I, I like what they're laying down with the story and the fact that it is, it is still a continuation, but also a spiritual reboot. Um, I'm glad that it's coming out on Xbox One. So they did announce that it's coming on Xbox One as well as Project Scarlet and PC. Uh, I assume PC, they actually didn't say, but 
considering all their games have been coming out across. I was going to say, yeah, considering that they're kind of with their Xbox app on PC, they're kind of mm-hmm. considering PCs to be a like, natural extension of your Xbox now, it seems. So I'd be shocked yeah. if it didn't come out on PC. Well, that was that was the first bummer of of actually Microsoft's press conference when they announced that Halo Infinite would be a, a launch title for Scarlet because I was worried that I'm I'm going to have to buy this new hardware at launch. And I was kind of thinking maybe I would try not to buy it at launch, you know, because who knows what's coming for the PS5. One of these boxes is not going to be purchased on launch day because mm-hmm. there's probably going to launch so close together. So I was probably thinking uh, the fact that this is when I found out later it was coming into Xbox One, I was actually kind of happy because I have the Xbox One X and I think it's still got some some juice left in it to 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 showcase some very powerful games. So. Yeah, and I so yeah. I have both base consoles. I have the Xbox mm-hmm. One and I have the PlayStation 4, not the Pro, not the One X or anything. So, I mean, I have the base versions of both consoles and I'm probably going to be going PlayStation 5 day one just because I think PlayStation in this last generation has done a lot more for me games-wise than Xbox did. I mean, there are some franchises that Xbox or Microsoft, well, I guess they don't actually have Fable anymore, right? They they got rid of Fable, so... They do have Fable, and there's been rumors upon rumors that Fable is going to be done by uh, Playground Games. And that There's was been rumors that... about Fable for probably, like, seven years now. <laughs> there there <laughs> Since, has like, been. Since, like, Fable 3, everyone's been like, oh, the next Fable, and there has been no next Fable. <laughs> well, they, I, I think that this one... They've, you know, I don't know if Fable is going to come. I, I think Fable will come back for Project Scarlet. But honestly, I if Fable was a launch title or launch window for Project Scarlet, I would ha- I would have to get Project Scarlet launch because Fable is one of those franchises that um, it's so few and far between between for entries that I, I just couldn't miss it on on the platform it's meant to be played on, which is an Xbox. You know, I I would kind of feel a little I know it doesn't matter, but it would feel a little weird playing it on PC since it's such a ingrained in my mind that it's an Xbox game. Yeah, Um, see, I don't have that. And I I almost feel like uh, in terms of Xbox, like where I have mm -hmm. a good gaming PC, I'm kind of like, uh, are they shooting themselves in the foot a little bit? I mean, obviously, Project Scarlet is going to be a really powerful console, but like my gaming PC can do all of that. So why wouldn't I just play on my PC? Because I don't have any hangups like that, especially if your Xbox controller is also going to work with my PC. Like I feel like maybe uh, in my specific case, they they might mm-hmm. be shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because I'm looking at their competitor to buy their competitor's box. Because if Horizon Zero Dawn 2 comes out, it's going to be playable on my PlayStation, not on my PC. So yeah. But you, they've already got you. You're buying their controller. You're buying their game. You're buying their service. That's what they want. I guess. They, you know, there's an article out there I was reading um, where, again, Phil Spencer's talking about, like, the business isn't selling boxes anymore. The business mm. is selling software and and accessories. So if they can sell you a controller that works across multiple platforms due to their cloud service, you wouldn't even need a powerful computer. You could just subscribe to xCloud and and play fable through xcloud you know um and i don't think my pc is like it might not be on par with where scarlet's hardware is at i can't play games at 4k on my computer um not that i have a 4k you know monitor but i have a 4k tv so like there are those conversations as well in terms of whether you want to buy the box 
or you want to buy the games on your PC. Mm -hmm. um, but options, that's very important. And I think Microsoft's the one that is actually supplying those options. And that's why I was so excited watching this hour and 40 minute presentation, which is not something many people say. That's true. Um, so there there were a couple, uh, like Halo wasn't the only one that got the mm -hmm. uh, cinematic treatment. Uh, we also saw Cyberpunk 2077, which everyone freaked out about because it had Keanu in it. And that was like probably the moment <laughs> of E3 for a lot of people. Um, I'm uh, Cyberpunk looks interesting, but again, I have the same sort of feelings about that. And actually Elden Ring as I do about that you have about Halo Infinite, where it's like, mm -hmm. Okay, you showed me some stuff and you splashed some names I know up on a screen, but like, how do I play this? Like, what what is this? What is this game? And I mean, Elden Ring is from the uh, from 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 software, right? Mm -hmm. So it's probably not a thing that I'll be playing anyways, because we've talked about that a hundred times over. So um, George R. R. Martin. Ugh, and then when I saw his name pop up, I'm just like, screw you. Get in your office and write me a goddamn book. <laughs> hey, hey, if you could be paid to go to Japan and consult on a project, would you not go to Japan? Screw oh, writing these books. Yeah, Come I don't on. blame him. I mean, he's made his money. He doesn't care if anyone ever knows the true ending to Game of Thrones. He's just like, meh, HBO did a good enough job, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they got my cliff notes. Yeah, it's all ex good. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how I feel about Cyberpunk 2077 and Elden Ring. Um, mm. and I will say uh, Ori and Will of the Wisps is another one that was shown again and had, had did actually have gameplay in it. And I still haven't mm. played... I have it. I own it on so many different platforms from so many different like Steam sales and like oh, so buy good, this and you'll get this free and stuff. I still haven't played Ori in the Blind Forest because I keep forgetting that like I have it and it's just sitting there unplayed. But every time I see like scenes from Blind Forest or scenes from Will of the Wisps, I'm like, this looks like so much my jam, but I just keep mm -hmm. forgetting about it. Maybe that's something I'll have to play for next week. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I finally played Ori in the Blind Forest because it looks so well, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it's on. So it is on Game Pass and I might check it out on. There you go. It, I'll upgrade my Game Pass, have it in yet another place and then play it. <laughs> I'll play it. I'll play it. The def, I think there's a definitive edition in 4K and I will play it on the Xbox One X and I will I will finally beat it. I got pretty far on the Steam version. I never finished yeah. it, but I really, really liked it. And this sequel looks amazing. And uh, that one's out in March alongside uh, Cyberpunk 277, which will be coming out in April. So they did announce a release date for Cyberpunk 2077. But uh, the fact that there hasn't been, there's been one gameplay video put out that was last year's E3 demo after much, much asks on social media. Uh, they had a different demo at E3. People are saying, uh, again, closed doors. People are saying it was better than the one from last year. Whether they will unleash that one onto the internet as a like 45 minute YouTube video. I think... I think that would be good. But mm -hmm. again, people are kind of just blindly pre-ordering it, myself included, because it is CD Projekt Red. I don't, it has nothing to do. I mean, I get people like Keanu. John Wick has pretty much, you know, revitalized his career. Oh, 100%. Um, he was good in that Netflix movie that, uh, that would, uh, something about always be my maybe or something. He was good in that. But yeah, like him in Cyberpunk 277 is, is good. Like when they, when they unveiled him, I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Like you're now getting mainline Hollywood talent 
joining video games and it's not ironic. Mm -hmm. This is kind of, it's really cool. And the fact that this is a Polish developer, you know, signing on major American talent, like that's a big deal. And I'm hoping to see more of that as people start to realize that, you know, being in video games, it's like, well, God of War showed it. There was, you know, a bunch of, you know, the guy was in, well, it's kind of a step down, I guess, when you go from Keanu Reeves to the guy who was in Stargate. But uh, still, but still, I, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's it's becoming yeah. more and more of a of a thing that people do. And I mean, I was just watching something today. Oh, I was watching a, a like a news video because there's some company in. Oh, I want to say Kenya, but maybe that's mm. wrong. But they're like a mobile gaming company that's basically taking like Pokemon Go style, like AR stuff and like showing you endangered species like in your um, Ooh. like your your backyard sort of thing. And it's to like raise awareness and stuff. And they were saying that um, like one in three people in the world has a smartphone and that so they can basically like read go conservation crazy by like gamifying and arifying these endangered species and um they were saying in that video that um gaming brings in more money than movies television and music combined so mm. it's like wow like this why aren't big hollywood stars doing video games because there should theoretically be more money in it for them than the you know doing a movie or doing a tv show so it mm. might just be a you know a contract negotiation thing that maybe they're not tapping into it properly yet but i'm sure that if there's money to be made they'll figure out how to and we'll be seeing more and more hollywood stars doing Things like Keanu is in Cyberpunk 2077. But um, speaking of big deals, I did want to talk about one other thing that came out of this presentation that mm -hmm. maybe it's just my echo chamber. Maybe I haven't actually seen more of the Internet at large comments about this. But Psychonauts developer Double Fine was purchased by Xbox Game Studios. And... I had all the same sort of thoughts about Psychonauts as everyone seemed to have about Epic purchasing Rocket League, but like nobody seemed to, everyone was like, oh, this is so great for Double Fine because they're going to have so much Microsoft money behind them now. I'm like, why is no one saying that about Psionics? Why is everyone freaking out about the Epic Game Store when like it's the same? You have a big company with their own store buying a smaller gaming company that they might decide to pull it from platforms like Steam and put it in the Microsoft Game Store instead. Why is mm -hmm. no one freaking out about this? <laughs> Psychonauts I, 2 was kickstarted. <laughs> yeah, you know it was. And and I think the difference is is that I think Microsoft used to be no our games exist on our platform and the fact is that i think microsoft has kind of switched gears on that and that they are releasing games on steam you know halo Ma halo master chief collection when it launches on pc will be on steam and windows store uh and i think that the same can be said for psychonauts you look at minecraft when microsoft purchased Mo uh, mojang people thought oh no minecraft's gonna disappear no they just put it on more platforms and they mm. made it more available for more people to play across platforms and i think that's the difference is that epic has the slash and burn you know mantra where they are immediately getting questions of like oh are you going to remove it from steam and their answer is like it probably you know uh it's probably what we're going to do 
but uh, it, I think there's a difference there. Um, but it's well, still throwing like, a bunch so of money at, at a problem. From right? what uh, Double Fine has said, and mm -hmm. again, this is Double Fine. This isn't Microsoft, so things could probably change because Double Fine isn't in control of their stuff anymore. They got bought, so they're still, mm -hmm. you know, Double Fine within Xbox Game Studios. But don't kid yourself, Microsoft is calling the shots now. So, I mean, like, as far as Double Fine has said, they're saying, you know, this isn't going to impact Psychonauts 2. It's still going to be available on PlayStation. It's still going to be available all the places that we said it's going to be available. But what I'm curious about is, like, the next Psychonauts game or, you know, um, they have another franchise that I'm totally blanking on now um, that people really want a sequel to. But so far, it's unannounced. Um, mm. Starts with a B. I can't remember. Anyways. B. Double Fine oh. makes something else, <laughs> and uh, everyone is wants it the a Jack sequel. Black one? Maybe. Uh, everyone wants a sequel to it, anyways. And sure. so the idea is that, like, you know, when that's announced, are like new Double Fine titles going forward going to be Xbox exclusives? And like that, I think is a big question. Yeah. The Double Fine themselves hasn't even said anything about. They've talked about Psychonauts too because that's already in development, and like I said, was kickstarted. But it's just like. Things are now out of this developer's hands and nobody, everyone just seems to be saying, look at all they can do with Microsoft money. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. but look at what Psionics can do with Epic money. Like it's, these things are the same. <laughs> they, they are the same. And here's the thing, like Microsoft and Epic are playing the long game. They're purchasing these developers so that they can develop games for their platforms. Of course, the next, I would be not, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Double Fine's next game develops solely under you know microsoft will come to my only microsoft platforms xbox and pc i mean it's just it's just business minecraft existing on as many platforms as possible was also a business decision because they figured well we might as well put it on every platform because people can buy skins on every platform and more money for us yeah and you know? yeah exactly more money for us like we're going to we're gonna make more by mm. expanding than we would by making it exclusive and trying to pull it off other platforms. That doesn't make much sense. And I think that like as much as like you're still on the same platform, if mm -hmm. you're on, you know, Steam versus the Epic Store, you're still talking about PC gaming, right? So it's not mm -hmm. like they're ever going to pull Rocket League off of PlayStation or Rocket League off of Switch or, you know, any of those things. We're just strictly talking about people saying, oh, no, I can't use only Steam. I have to have multiple launchers. I have to boo hoo 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 hoo. Well, you know what? The Xbox app is probably the worst of all of those. And Psychonauts 2 is going to be available there. And Psychonauts 3 is only going to be available there. And I'm telling you, it's worse than freaking Origin. <laughs> the Xbox, uh, the, the new the Xbox, the Xbox app is the actual worst. <laughs> uh, I haven't it had. Is I haven't terrible. It, it is terrible for party handling. It's terrible for game launching. It like everything crashes. It's the worst. It's <laughs> terrible. I think the new, and the new one's in beta. And I guess I was about to say like, oh, it's not that bad. But I did have issues uh, <laughs> having a game even install. So um, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the, it's worst, the worst of all of them. But they're um, doing. They're they're working on it. <laughs> but anyway so that was that was just my little kind of mini rant of like why sure. aren't people getting just as upset at microsoft as they are at Let's epic tear it down epic is the real big bad of video games right now it is what it is but uh so They're bethesda old. also had a conference where they covered not what anybody wanted to hear let's be honest most people are looking for what's <laughs> the next skyrim 
But they did cover uh, some of the changes that are coming to Fallout 76. Wasn't really a highlight for me because Fallout is not my jam. So um, I didn't really get into that. But uh, they also covered Doom Eternal. So, Ryan, you have this one listed under your comments. You stoked about this? Because Doom still just makes me go, ew. (laughs) Oh, man. The first, the, the 2016 Doom was such a surprise. And then now with Doom Eternal, it just looks like more of this crazy you know, uh, demon slaying madness. And the fact that they're, uh, they're introducing like heaven to dooms. Hell is also really cool. I like, I, it's like Diablo. I like that heaven hell story. So the fact that they're bringing it in, I don't, I don't, I don't know like the doom back catalog lore, but I've, I don't remember there ever being like a heaven introduced. So it's really cool that they're doing that. And it just looks like a blast. And the fact that it's coming out this year is also a bonus. But there's really like not a ton to say. It just it looks really good. It looks really fun. And it's going to be great to be tearing demons apart again this year. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I, I can't get into Doom. I, I can't. Um, yeah, it's pretty gruesome. It's like, really, and, and I'm not normally too squeamish, but there's just something about Doom that just, there's even like one of the screenshots from one of the articles is the, like the thing getting chainsawed in half mm-hmm. <laughs> and the two parts of the demon like flopping down sideways. And I, I don't know why, but I'm just like... It, like I can watch it, I just don't enjoy it. I just I look at the screen and I'm just ew. <laughs> it's not for everyone. Yeah, I guess it just I guess it just isn't for me. But uh, the one thing that does look like it's for me, and I'm so stoked about this, as was the presenter, and I can't remember her name now, but she was the best thing about E3. She was so adorable, and I just want to play every game that she <laughs> makes from now until forever. Um, but she's talking about Ghostwire Tokyo, which looks so interesting to me because it's got so many elements of like supernatural coolness and uh it's also from the team that made uh, evil within so mm-hmm. it's got this kind of like really creepy like urban legendy kind of vibe but it's set in this like super modern city of tokyo and it's like a whole bunch of people just straight up vanish one day and there's like looks like the girl from the ring <laughs> and like it just it has so many cool creep factors going on that i uh, i just i don't even care what the gameplay is like here i just want to <laughs> see what kind of story they want to tell me because i feel like it's going to be uh creepy and there's going to be some jump scary stuff but i don't think it's going to be too far you know <laughs> mm-hmm. well it's interesting i mean I watched that and I was like, I wasn't sure what I was watching, but I'm interested to see more. I played the first Evil Within and I I bounced off it pretty, you know, pretty quickly. But I heard Evil Within 2 was a, was a nice follow up in that they they really corrected a lot of the issues people mm-hmm. have with the first one. So it'll be interesting to see if Ghostwire Tokyo kind of expands upon that, you know, polish that was put on Evil Within 2. Uh, but it's funny you mentioned these like freaky games and spooky games. Do you remember? So um, spooky. uh, That was the thing that she said. It was so good. So spooky. (laughs) She was probably my favorite. She was such a highlight. Yeah. (laughs) Of the Bethesda presentation. And I was kind of like. She was so genuine. She just loved the game she was working on. I love her. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. She was uh, she was fantastic. But uh, Ghostwire Tokyo reminds me of another game we played um, for the Sony uh, for the PS4. It was until dawn 
Yes. So the studio behind that game has a new game coming out at the end of August. Uh, and it's multi-platform. It's not exclusive to the PS4. I think it's called like uh something it's I don't know. I lost it, but it's like a it's like a budget title. It's like 40 bucks, similar to Until Dawn. And it has that same kind of feel. So you should look into it. Man, Until Dawn called. was so good. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember what this one's called. It was like something man of something sort stories of man or I don't know. But it looks really cool. I don't know anything about it, but I was reminded of that developer when I saw this. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo because uh, that game's the new game is coming out at the end of August so I'm going to check it out for sure uh, and we've already talked about you play plus but they also mm -hmm. revealed a couple of games that you're excited about um, and I know I'm I'm kind of on board with Watch Dogs Legion 2 because I mean I again Watch Dogs is a franchise that I've always kind of had in the back of my playlist like oh yeah I should check that out and every time I see a trailer for it I'm like that looks so cool and I feel like it'd be mm -hmm. a thing that I like but I've never actually played one. So I'm super stoked for you play plus because I'm going to finally go in and play Watch Dogs. Um, but Legion specifically has you stoked. Yeah, no, uh, I played a, a good chunk of Watch Dogs 2. I never touched Watch Dogs 1. I think it was one of those like Ubisoft first stabs at a new franchise. And yeah, it, I heard it's, one it's was tough. not the greatest, but two seemed to review well. Two is really good. And I think what has me excited about watchdog legion is that it's not a main character but like you can control any npc so you recruit them and there are, are there they are NPC still an classes. npc then <laughs> no but they were yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you can recruit an npc and they they're part of a class so you have like a you know a, a, an assassin a hacker a brawler and so on and so forth so they kind of the joke was they showed like ex-assassin it was like grandma so you could go around and like you know screw things up as a grandma. So <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the idea of a watchdogs where you're kind of, you know, uniting as a people to overthrow like a post Brexit London. That's really cool. That's a, and, and it's funny how Ubisoft keeps saying like, Oh, we're not, we don't take political stances. It's like, mm, I don't know. Like it seems <laughs> like you guys have a thing against Brexit with this one. So <laughs> maybe, maybe don't say you're not taking a political stance because uh, you're using politics. Um, but then again, well, like, but I, I think, think there's yeah. something to be said though, for anything that is set in any kind of a modern setting is always mm -hmm. going to have so like, you can't get away from politics, no. right? Like you can't, everything is a political statement because you're, you're building a world through your lens. So that's always going to have some sort of influence and bias to it. Yeah. Everything's a political statement. You guys, everything. Everything, including, uh, yeah, including Watch Dogs Legion. I, I think it just looks really cool, and I, I agree with you. I'm excited through Uplay Plus I'll be able to check it out and, and see if it's if it's for me because I know, like, it, it sounds different in the sense that you're going to be, you know, trying new classes and and, and, uh, and new ways of, of progressing through the game. Um, and that's coming out in March, but another game I'm looking forward to actually by the uh, Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Odyssey team, is Gods and Monsters. So this is what we were talking about um, last week in that at E3, we're going to start seeing the Breath of the Wild inspired games. And again, we'll get to the obvious one at the end of the show. But, <laughs> uh, Gods and Monsters is straight up like look and feel Breath of the Wild. 
and it looks really cool and it's by the odyssey team focused on you know a greek mythology type game uh, again so you know they have the chops they've done their research and now they're going to put it into a game that's even more fantastical so um and that one's coming out in, in february as well i mean ubisoft really nailed it in terms of showing games that they then ended with a straight up release date i don't mm-hmm. think they had one game that they showed that basically was like to be determined was coming soon yeah yeah (laughs) like it was all dates and all pre you know e3 2020 so all coming out before may 2020 which is awesome which i mean i i kind of like that i like the e3 to be a preview of the upcoming 12 months as opposed Mm -hmm. to like i mean we've had so many things teased that end up being canceled or pushed or we don't know what exactly it is at all even right before up to release i'm looking at you death stranding like (laughs) it just it very much is you know like the the place for teasers and that's the stuff i find the least interesting because i'm not sure what to expect first of all and second of all it's like I don't know when to expect it and it's probably going to change either what it is or when it's coming many Mm -hmm. times between now and then. So I just I find that the least interesting stuff of E3 and I know we're going to talk about the big like probably the furthest away game of any of these at the end of the show. But um, which was kind of cool. But at the same time, we're like, okay, yeah, and we know you're working on this. You'd be dumb not to be working on this. But before we get into that, I uh, did want to remind everybody that if you like what we do, you can go over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. We are currently looking for our June patron to feature. So if you would like to be thanked on the show, go to patreon.com slash the gamers in. So the second part of the conference that we're going to talk about is uh, Square Unix. So this one had so much Final Fantasy. Just, oh just so much. And I mean, so <laughs> I I feel kind of bad. I know there are a lot of people that are super stoked about the Final Fantasy VII remake, about the Final Fantasy VIII remaster, about Crystal Chronicles <laughs> remaster, about mm-hmm. some other Final Fantasy stuff. But I actually literally fell asleep in this conference. <laughs> I was yeah. I was watching it on the couch and I fell asleep. <laughs> like it was I, a lot. Yeah. I mean- it was on late. It started, I think, at nine and uh, it went for about an hour and, and a half. And honestly, I was watching it. Um, I'm I'm interested in the Final Fantasy seven remake from a curiosity standpoint. I that, think it's kind of cool what they've done with it, where it was yeah. turn based and now it's like action combat with turn based kind of where it's like, OK, you can kind of bullet time it and then mm-hmm. choose from a list of skills to do. And I'm kind of like, I don't, I'll have to try that to see if it actually works because, but I didn't play, I don't necessarily like turn-based combat. So I would mm-hmm. just kind of go with button mashing action combat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I know some with... people are like, boo, this isn't Final Fantasy seven. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on your side on this one. Like, I think what they've done to modernize it is exactly what you want from a remake. If it was a remastering, then sure, whatever, like do the turn-based, but this is a remake. And even well, and that's more... the difference, right? Like remasterings yeah. are just like upscaling textures, like making it look like it was made more recently, stuff like that. Whereas Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII, it's not getting a remaster. It's getting a full on remake. So they are taking the characters and the plot and the bosses and stuff, and they are making a modern game out of it. Yeah. But the interesting thing that kind of 
has me a little worried and also perplexed is that like, so I pre-ordered Final Fantasy VII Remake, but what you're getting during Mar- in March when the first game uh, is is released is a portion of Final Fantasy VII. It's not actually yeah, the full it's game. episodic, which makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> well, it's and it's the worst part of episodic in that each episode is going to cost eighty dollars. Each episode is a full game. They're they that's what they're saying. So this first game that's coming out in March is all Midgar. And and that'll mean something. It doesn't mean anything to me, but it'll mean something to people <laughs> who have played Final Fantasy VII. And that's what perplexes me is that like, okay, I'm buying an eighty dollar game. It's a full game, but it's like Final Fantasy VII Midgar. Then Final Fantasy VII whatever comes next. Like how how many of them are there going to be? Uh, how long is it going to take for me to play the Final Fantasy VII remake? But yeah, look it up. It's crazy. They are they are not releasing the full Final Fantasy VII game, and you'll and and from what I've been able to tell, you have to buy each game separately. It's not DLC. It's not episodic as we know it. The this is like there's going to be three Final Fantasy VII remake games. So, yeah, and yeah. A lot of people are saying Midgar is the first town. I know it is, but they're taking supposedly they're taking that section, and I hope I'm wrong. But I tr- I tried to look it up and. It, everything pointed to the fact that it's not it's episodic in the sense that you're you're getting that they're splitting it up into pieces yeah and and it's like it's x1 and x2 so you're getting final fantasy 7 1 final fantasy 7 2 and they have said that it's going to take less time to do the second part for the final fantasy 7 remake as it did for the first one because they did actually reboot development after they announced it so this one has technically uh, been in development for four years when it gets released. Um, but still, like, that's a lot. I mean, you want them to do it right. You want them to modernize it in a way, but it kind of feels... It'll be interesting to see what they do. Like, if this is a full game that comes out as the remake and it's only part of a, of a larger product, are we looking at, like, um, StarCraft 2 and in that it was released over three games that all, you know, cost the full value, sort of? Um, or are we getting like sort of like episodic, like Life is Strange or, or Walking Dead? Like, I don't know. Um, and it, it's expensive to learn that the hard way, right? Like 80 bucks a game. I, I, I'm cautious with this. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's funny because I just did a real quick search to see mm-hmm. like what kind of what kind of stuff that I could find. And it says um, Final Fantasy VII only spent its early hours in Midgar before booting players out into the wider world. Hmm. And um, they compare it to when you, like, play through the first part in Ocarina of Time and then, like, the Deku Tree and stuff, and then all of a sudden you go out into Hyrule Field and the whole world opens up. That's, like, it would be, like, the next Zelda. Or if they did an Ocarina of Time remake and they and it was only the deku tree and you never got to hyrule field (laughs) which is uh seems crazy to me again i didn't play final fantasy 7 so i don't know how accurate that is but um i i mean we'll see i i I trust that these guys are trying to make a game that makes sense for the modern age and they have said that they're taking the idea of final fantasy 7 and building a modern game out of those building blocks. So maybe they they have more to add to Midgar that they weren't able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, those games, 
they could only do so much. And a lot of people were saying like, well, maybe Final Fantasy VII was, you know, a, a rubric of a good game. And now they're going to take it and build out like a modern great game, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, and, and what they what they basically said is that they're um, hitting the same story beats while expanding things. So <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... I, yeah, like how long if if that's what we're talking about, if you imagine the first dungeon as child link being <laughs> like no and and because Ocarina of yeah. Time is a game no, that, I know I get intimately. that comp- I get that. So comparison. yeah, if you're if you're taking that experience and trying to expand on that story, again, assuming that this uh is drawing the right kind of comparisons, uh having not played Final Fantasy Seven, then if you're going to charge me $80 for that experience, that's the kind of thing that I want like 20 or 30 hours out of a yeah. full AAA title, right? But then I'm like, how much story could you possibly tell? And then how many chunks would you have to split Ocarina of Time into if the first child dungeon is 20 hours of story and $80? Then you've got two more child stories, plus you've got six dungeons once you get to be grown-up Link. So... Like we're talking, there's literally nine parts of that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's it, and it's a good comparison because same generation, right? So mm-hmm. it it makes sense to me. Yeah, the the thing is, like they have said, like you know, Final Fantasy VII remake, the one coming out in March, will be thirty to 40, 40 hours, so it will be a full full functioning, fully fledged game. Uh, but maybe the Midgar comment is is not you know, accurate. Maybe, Mm. maybe they, maybe they're only showing Midgar right now. Like maybe there's, there's more to Midgar than just a small town that was put on a PlayStation one disc. Maybe this is a bigger town with a bigger courtyard and a bigger open world for you to explore and and do quests in. Like this is a remake, not a remastering. So I think we got to kind of look at what final fantasy 15 was and final fantasy 13 and look at those games and, and say, Oh, this is where they're going. This is this is Final Fantasy seven. But really what it is, is it's Final Fantasy 16. Mm. Like, I think that's the way people need to think of it and 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 know that they're just getting their beloved characters in Final Fantasy 16. And maybe I I don't know. We'll see. Um, We won't have to wait long. It's out in March. Uh, But I am I'm cautious with that one. Uh, They also showed Dying Light 2 briefly. Uh, It looks like more Dying Light, which is fantastic. Um, but the big one <laughs> with Square Enix was Avengers. And honestly, that's the only thing I wanted to see. I sat there and watched the whole presentation. Then Ashley got home and I'm like, oh, I'll go help with dishes. So I go up and help dishes and uh, I come back down and, <laughs> and Avengers is on. I'm like, ah, I waited <laughs> through an hour and a half of Final Fantasy. Yeah, there was <laughs> so watch. much Final Fantasy. Oh, so much. But Avengers, Crystal Dynamics of every single studio under the Square Enix banner is working on this thing. And like, I... I want to know what you think because I'm I'm not sure. That was kind of how I walked away from this as well. So, I mean, uh, there was again not a whole lot of actual gameplay. There were some mm. portions of the bridge sequence which is basically where the game starts. They they essentially showed us like the opening sequence of the game. And some of those sections seemed like they were at least from like a third person player view, but Mm -hmm. they didn't really do anything. Like it was hard to tell if you were seeing gameplay mixed with cinematics or if it was just all cinematic. It was really hard to tell. Um, 
And so, like I said, there was a couple times where you felt like you were right behind a character who was kind of running in like a free run almost thing, but it still looked very on rails. Like once you hit point X, the bridge is going to explode, like stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of the actual characters, I like the character design. I like the visuals. But I feel like I'm super overexposed to the Marvel Universe right now. And I have very, very, very specific ideas in my head around how the characters sound. And when they spoke and it wasn't like Robert Downey Jr., it wasn't Hemsworth, it wasn't like Chris Evans. I was just like, it seems like this is just it's just wrong and off-putting. And I feel mm-hmm. like as much as they want to capitalize on the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, maybe now is just not the time for an Avengers video game. Because I looked at this and I was kind of like, you know what? I'm happy with the Avengers superhero story that I've got right now from the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to play through another one. And I also got feels of like... um uh, the DC one that was really bad that killed Superman. Oh, um, <sighs> Batman v Superman. Yeah. Wait, does he it, die in that one? No, whatever one where Superman dies and then there's like the, I guess it's Justice League where they bring Superman back or whatever. Like, cause, um, if you guys didn't watch the Square Enix presentation, maybe stop listening to me now. But like in mm. the opening cinematic sequence of Avengers, they kill Cap, who is my favorite Avenger. So I was kind of like, and now then there's like this big statue to him and like, oh, he's a martyr and everything else. But the Avengers is, has to disband and everybody hates them, which is very civil war. And like yep. I said, like they killed, they're obviously going to bring Cap back because he's a like he's on the shirt. He's like a playable character and everything else. So he's going to come back somehow, whether it's actually going to be um rogers or if it's going to be you know a spiritual successor to him who knows but Mm -hmm. either way like it just oh man it was just giving me vibes of like all this other stuff that i've already seen whether it's through the cinematic universe or like i said it's giving me dc feels which is not a good thing yeah Um, i don't know and no gameplay like no actual like this is how you're gonna play the game (laughs) so what they've said about the game and I, and I agree with you. There's this weirdness to it that's like, I, I don't know if it's the faces or it's the sounds or just everything combined. It's not the MCU. It's not the Avengers. We just spent two years pouring over. Like, if anything, Infinity War and Endgame are the worst things to happen to this game because for the last two and a half years, we've just been bombarded with what the Avengers look, sound, and feel like. And, and we have this definitive story that's been told over the last 11 years. And now we have this game that is is telling, you know, a somewhat similar story mm-hmm. to to Endgame where it's, you know, a catastrophic event five years later. Well, it's very much Civil that. War, right? Because it's yeah. very, like it's just the, the catastrophic event takes place in a different place. So it's not in Sokovia. It's in San Francisco. Something mm-hmm. big happens. A whole bunch of people die. The Avengers have to disband. And then you have multiple factions of the Avengers yelling at each other about how, like, we failed. Well, we should still be around. It's literally Civil War, except for it's like uh, Hulk fighting with Iron Man instead of Iron Man fighting. And Iron Man is on the we should still be a thing side instead of the we should definitely not be a thing side. I'm like, that's not a big enough change for me to give a crap about this game, you guys. (laughs) Well, yeah. And and they didn't show gameplay, which is a little frustrating because the game comes out May 2020. 
And uh, they're, they're saying that people are kind of contributing it to like looking at it as a destiny type game. Uh, and then there are, there is a solo campaign, but you can also play the campaign co-op. And then there are, uh, there's going to be free post launch content where free scenarios and free characters will be added post launch for a good steady clip, uh, which is funny. And they say no loot boxes. And then right after they say, but we're going to have platform exclusive content. It's like, you get a cheer for no loot boxes, but then you announce something that people equally hate, which is mm. platform exclusive stuff. I'm sure platform um, exclusive stuff is going to be like on the PS4 version. You're going to be able to play as Spider-Man. <laughs> and that's the thing. It, I, I was I saw some arguments like that. That was the case that you'd be able to play Spider-Man or, you know, more generously play as the Spider-Man with play as Spider-Man with the Spider-Man PS4 suit. But I, I think you're right. I think. PlayStation will have an exclusive character and that will be that will be Spider-Man um, just due to the the Sony relationship. But mm -hmm. uh, I I hope that's not the case. But then again, some people are saying like, oh, why would you lock a character to a platform? It's like, well, they locked an entire game to a platform. So um, I don't think they have that issue. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a concern of their of Marvel games. Um, but uh, it's interesting. And then they're like, oh, we have one more you know, a little teaser for you. And then they show Hank Pym. Mm. Like, just looks like some random hobo dude. Like, yeah. How and, am I supposed again, to know that's that Hank Pym? Supposed to be, yeah. And, and this again comes in from uh, my knowledge of the universe is I really like the guy that played Ant-Man and Hank mm. was, Hank was the old inventor guy, but he wasn't actually Ant-Man anymore. And so I was like, you know, oh, okay, wait. So this is Hank, but young Hank. And again, it's just, it's because the Marvel Cinematic Universe just came to an end. So all of that, all of the stories, all of the characters, it's so right in my face right. <laughs> in pop culture right now. And so it just, I, I feel like now is really not the time for Avengers because I'm just super burnt out on the Marvel Universe. And it was done so well in the Cinematic Universe that now I feel like mm -hmm. the games universe just isn't going to be able to hold a candle to it. So I mean, that being said, the Spider-Man game was great, but, oh, yeah. um, but what, but that's the thing, like, what if it's fun? Yeah. And what if the story they're telling outside of what we've seen already is actually a really well-told story? Like we only have a snippet yeah, and we only, we don't have any gameplay. Um, I'm a, I am still a little concerned. Like when people say like, there's going to be a lot of post-launch content, you get like Anthem destiny vibes where it's like, so I'm not suggesting that you're holding back content to drip feed. But I am thinking that your idea of adding free content post-launch is not going to be enough to keep me satisfied. Like almost like I might not play at launch, but wait six months and then enjoy the, mm -hmm. the, a full a fuller game. Which does seem to be a theme of stuff lately. I mean, that was the mm -hmm. thing with Sea of Thieves as well, where, you know, mm -hmm. like it, on launch, it wasn't the greatest it was super fun but it got old really quickly because there wasn't um, much to do and now you know a year and a bit later it's a great game but people already fell off it because they kept adding free stuff but it's like if you give me crap to begin with i'm not gonna all of a sudden come back the only reason i came back is because i did i really enjoyed the original base game and knew it would get better when there was a little bit more content mm -hmm. that's not gonna happen for every title but so many more titles for whatever reason, I mean, could be that things are rushed, could be that they run out of money and they have to just put something out there. Like, who knows? There could be a thousand reasons on the development side for why this is happening. But it seems to be happening more and more often lately where we're getting 
what seems to start to feel like unfinished gaming experiences with the promise of more free updates to come. And it's like, yeah, but why not just wait until, you know, a year later, like push your release date and then give me everything that you want to give me and put your best foot forward, mm-hmm. put your best yeah. game forward and people that. But uh, we have one more conference to cover and we've already gone super long tonight. So uh, we'll try to go through this as fast as possible. But you guys know who this is. This is Nintendo. We're going to talk about this for like an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> um, they announced uh, Link's Awakening and I am super stoked about this, not because of the actual game, because this is a remaster, right? Not a remake. It's a remake. Oh, it's a remake. Uh, okay. Yeah. I get like we just talked about all the Final Fantasy stuff with remakes versus remasters. I wasn't sure which one Link's Awakening was. It's definitely a remake. Yeah, this is a this is a game that originally came out on the Game Boy, the original right. Game Boy. And I mean, it's it's very much, you know, using the original, you know, look feel world story but yeah it's it's a remake in the sense that they've they've completely you know looked at gameplay items uh characters all that fun stuff and it looks adorable that amiibo if if you people don't want to buy that amiibo even if you've not bought a single amiibo like monsters it's so cute (laughs) monsters they better make a butt ton of those because man they're gonna fly off the shelves (laughs) did you Um, see that amiibo i didn't i'm just i'm looking for it now um i didn't actually see it but um so cute (laughs) but yeah like i think they can make a cute link honestly when you think about it yeah i'm assuming that it's because so basically the thing that i'm really really stoked about about link's Mm. awakening that i think is super cool is that they've basically tied mario maker into link's awakening in a way that allows you guys you can build your own dungeon and Mm -hmm. then go play it yeah and i can play your dungeon yeah i can make a dungeon for ryan and be like you'll never make it through here i make the best puzzles (laughs) bam it's true (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, and the best part about Link's Awakening is you look at this game and like, oh, this is a Nintendo, you know, uh, it's a major franchise. This is going to be a December game. No, September. Yeah. Mid-September. That is around the corner, folks. Anything like pre-October, September's, you know, be, be here before you know it. I, 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 I can't wait to play this game. This the last 2D game that we played from the Zelda franchise, you know, Link Between Worlds, mm. absolutely adored that game. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait. So good. I still can't find this amiibo, so I'm just going to take your word for it. It's, it's very <laughs> cute. Uh, be prepared to pre-order it. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I own but... more Link amiibos than any other amiibo. <laughs> I have a whole shelf dedicated to my Zelda amiibos, so I, I yeah, I'm i have a problem but like i'm i can stop after this one yeah <laughs> um but you know speaking of cute and cuddly, oh what about yeah that, that is that is a pretty cute it's adorable pretty cute. little amiibo now i found it they they better <laughs> only make one uh, uh from that game because it's gonna be tough there's probably <laughs> there's a, gonna be a whole set who are you kidding no <laughs> don't do it just the one because I only want to buy one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you mentioned Gooigi. And yeah. I, okay, first of all, Luigi's Mansion is mm-hmm. so much fun. I really, really, really like that game. I love that Luigi has his own game and he has to save Mario for once. I think that's really, really fun. And Luigi's Mansion 3 is just, it like checked all the boxes of the thing that I would want from the next Nintendo offering in the Luigi's Mansion realm because it has 
your super scary ghosts. It has your vacuum pack. It has your flashlight. But then you get to do different things with that. Like you've got a, a plunger that then you suck back with the vacuum to open up new areas. You can start sucking ghosts in and then hit other ghosts with ghosts. Like, why would you not want to do that? And then it looks really good. Yeah. yeah, even with all of that. Plus, it takes place in a haunted hotel, which is kind of cool for in its own right. Like it's not a mansion per se but mm -hmm. i still that i just haunted creepy hotels i mean the shining come on guys like who doesn't love a good haunted hotel but the thing that really really grabbed me about the luigi's mansion 3 uh, first of all we saw gameplay so thanks mm -hmm. nintendo uh we saw gameplay but uh we also saw co-op which is where guigi comes in and so you can either play it by yourself and kind of swap between controlling actual Luigi or Luigi made of goo. And he has different powers, like he can slip between bars and stuff, but he has different weaknesses too. So like he can't stand in water. Hmm. It just, it looks like um, taking the idea of Luigi's Mansion to the next level. And I'm really excited about that. I And you can also play, there's like co-op and there's multiplayer and like online. Mm-hmm. Which is so cool. I like I want to run through Luigi's Mansion and be Luigi and have you be my Gooigi or vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a Valentine's card. Be my <laughs> Would you be my Gooigi? <laughs> there's, there's a line there. Just, let's not cross it. Um, yeah, I think with uh, with Luigi's Mansion 3, uh, I played the second one. The first one I, I absolutely adored uh, on the GameCube as a launch title. And mm. when they took over a decade to make a new one and then suddenly we're getting you know luigi's mansion 3 on switch i it looks you're right it looks so good they've added all these moves it's not just about like capturing ghosts it's about like yeah. you know weakening them in ways that completely you know don't make a lot of sense like it's it's a ghost it, you know you can't really slam it against things but it's still cool it <laughs> sure looks you can so you good. make it corporeal when you flash it with your flashlight so then you can oh, wax stuff right. with it yeah yeah, that's I, the science, you guys. <laughs> true. You've seen Ghostbusters. Yeah. You know what's up. Uh, but, you know, uh, yay or nay, Gooigi Amiibo. Do you think that's a thing? Do you think? Oh, get that? yay for sure. And I bet it okay. glows in the dark. Oh, and and there's precedent <laughs> because, yeah, Ashley, if you're listening, it's OK. Um, Jocelyn has her subscriptions. I have amiibos. We both have problems. <laughs> We're working on it. Our partners are aware, though, so it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, they're cool with it. They take us, uh, you know. <laughs> they chose uh, us. They knew what they were getting into. <laughs> well, I mean, my amiibo problems start <laughs> after, but it's fine. <laughs> I can stop at any moment. Um, yeah, Luigi's Mansion 3 looks good. Uh, I can, you know, crush through these these next two that you don't have on your list. But Animal Crossing, New Horizons. Uh, delayed till March 2020. Again, early 2020 is looking crazy, uh, crazy busy. But I love Animal Crossing. I I cannot wait to play this on Switch. Like I know you picked it up on 3DS and and uh, it kind of died off when you ended up picking it up. Yeah, but are, I have are you looking like forward to this total like PTSD when it comes to Animal okay. Crossing because. I mean, when I picked it up, must have been the day that everyone decided they just weren't going to play it anymore because I had nobody to play with and it was the worst and it was a boring, boring game and I hated it. So okay. everyone is super stoked <laughs> for but new Animal not. Crossing. And I'm just like, eh. 
Okay. <laughs> I well, just, but this is probably what's going to happen. It's going to be the same again. Is that everyone's going to get it. Everyone's going to be like, oh my God, Animal Crossing, best game on Switch ever. And I'm going to be like, nope, I am standing my ground until a couple months later and everyone's still playing. And I'm like, all right, you guys promise to still play if I decide to start playing. And then, oh yeah, Jocelyn, we promise we'll totally still be playing Animal Crossing and I'll go and buy it and everyone will stop. And I'll be like, what is going on? It happened that again. Logic, just buy it at launch. Just, just you know, buy it. Just no, do it. I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't think they're fun, but everyone... Just oh, loses well, then their don't mind. buy it at all. <laughs> Everyone loses their mind over Animal Crossing. And then I feel left out because they have these cool, like, you can go visit my town and, you know, I'll give you peaches if you give me apples or whatever. And that's <laughs> apparently a really big social thing that everyone does and I get left out of. And then I start to feel bad. And then I'm like, well, maybe I can play a game that I don't like just so I can play with my friends. And then all my friends leave. Are you having basically Animal Crossing FOMO? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, well, I, I'm I'm curious with with Animal Crossing. Like, did you play Stardew Valley? Was that a thing you enjoyed? I did enjoy Stardew Valley. Yeah, oh. but I didn't. Well, essentially, I Animal never Crossing. I never finished it. I played it for you know a couple of hours, and I found it like relaxing, soothing. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, like we'll see. It's coming out March 2020. But uh, oh, man, what I am super, super, super excited about is that Banjo-Kazooie is finally back and he and and, and the pair are going to be in Smash Brothers this fall as DLC as part of the Fighters Pass. And uh, I love Banjo-Kazooie when it came out on N64 and I, I played both those. I have very vivid memories of playing, you know, Banjo-Kazooie on N64. And I was so bummed when Microsoft bought Rare because that meant that Banjo-Kazooie was going to be leaving, you know, the Nintendo platform. And it's so much a Nintendo character. You just, he fits in so, they fit in so well with, with the rest of the characters in Smash Brothers, as you saw in the trailer. So the fact that Banjo is coming back kind of makes me, really happy to see it on a Nintendo platform again, but also kind of excited about the potential of maybe more Banjo-Kazooie content coming in the future because we haven't had a Banjo-Kazooie game in about 10 years. Mm -hmm. I, I remember playing, you know, Nuts and Bolts on the Xbox 360 in university, and uh, I I can't believe they haven't revisited that franchise. It's, it's, a, it's a pillar of Rare. It's the only thing you have from Rare that people know and love and remember that you could still do you know uh, maybe outside of perfect dark but i think banjo kazooie still probably maybe ranks above perfect dark i don't know like that perfect dark zero game wasn't that great no it wasn't so I, but perfect dark was so good perfect dark was, was better than goldeneye fight me <laughs> no i agree um i'm not a big fan of 007 goldeneye is okay but uh perfect dark was i'm a i'm a, I'm a perfect dark greater than GoldenEye as well, but <laughs> super excited about Banjo-Kazooie. But again, the big final thing at, at the Nintendo Direct where they said like, oh, and I have one more thing to show you. They're doing a sequel to Breath of the Wild. I, like, I know a lot of people that are saying like- surprise you. <laughs> no, but I don't understand why people can say that because like they don't normally do sequels to Zelda games. 
and that was well, me. That I mean, but uh, okay. So you say that they don't do sequels to Zelda right. games, and I feel like that's fair enough because it's not like there's an Ocarina of Time two. But they did mm-hmm. make Majora's Mask, which is quite similar, same sort of formula. Yeah, and I just I feel like um. Now, whether they're actually going to call this Breath of the Wild 2 or if they're going to call this like Legend of Zelda insert totally new name here, which I think they probably will do. They should um, call it Curse of the Wild. So Just throwing it out there. It, like, I mean, it does it, it does follow Breath of the Wild um, in mm. terms of like timeline. But at the same time. All of the Zelda games, like if you have the Historia they all mm-hmm. fit into the same like universe and they all like happen in a timeline. So even if they've never been called, you know, insert name of Zelda two, which even then wasn't first one. wasn't there like. Yeah. Zelda one and Zelda, Zelda two one and two. Yeah. Sequels. They were, yeah. One and two. But they so, were, they were different in, in gameplay. Like they were very different games. And I think with, and we don't know this for sure, but Breath of the Wild, and and I think when you say it's not a surprise, it's because they spent six years building this game, and the Switch will be around for another three years. Do you really start over from scratch yeah. after a Breath of the Wild is received so well? And Which kind of a- worries me because there's so many things that I really didn't like about Breath of the Wild. So the mm. fact that this is a, a sequel, I'm kind of like, ugh. I hope, I hope that amidst all the admittedly like well-deserved praise because i do think there's a lot of good in breath of the wild i do hope that they found heard saw some of the criticisms because like for instance the breaking of weapons like not being able to use the master sword not being able to use the trident that you got from the zora like that sucked because it was just Mm -hmm. like I got this super cool thing that I can swing 10 times and then it's going to break. And it's like, but I just defeated like a whole dungeon thing for this to get this to to finish this quarter of the game. And then you're like, uh-uh-uh, can't use that. It'll smash in half. That was terrible. So yeah. like, I hope that they heard some of those um some of those criticisms and I hope they make some changes and they don't mm-hmm. just basically take Breath of the Wild and put a new skin on it. I I mean yeah I, I think weapon durability if they could revisit that f- that feature and and keep what they were looking for which was having you know concur- forcing you to use different weapons all the time and rather than forcing you find a good gameplay loop where they're encouraging you to try different weapons and that's a big difference and that's where the durability system came in is it was literally forcing you to try different weapons as opposed to just being like well, which I really is a, like this sword. Yeah, which is another thing that I don't necessarily agree with because I would prefer to just get more different weapons as I progress through the game. And it's mm-hmm. like maybe in early game I have a dagger and then later on I find a sword and then I find a spear and, you know, like move me through weapons that way if you really want to. But if I'm having fun swinging a sword around, why should I have to change weapons? Like that's not anything like I don't understand game developers wanting to force you to change weapons all the time. Like why, why is that so central to the gaming experience you're trying to give me? It seems like just a hindrance for no reason. And -hmm. I feel like, I mean, even if you look at days gone that we just finished playing that had weapon durability in it too, but you were able to unlock the ability to repair your weapons. So then that was fine. 
because then mm -hmm. I was like, okay, early on in the game, I was looking for crafting materials. I was trying to make new melee weapons, but then I was able to later on, once I found a really good one, I could just keep it and I could just keep fixing it with the stuff I found around the world. That would be okay too. I think if you really want to force durability, there's ways to do it that aren't like once I find something really super cool, especially something iconic like the Master Sword. And yeah, you could go and sharpen it and repower it or whatever, but that was really dumb, you guys. It's the freaking Master Sword. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, those are all, you know, very valid points. And I, and I think for for me, the the rest of the game allowed it to rise above a very clear issue that a lot of people had. And, and I think uh, that that was the case for me. But um, when I finished Breath of the Wild, I immediately thought like, okay, what happens next? You've got Zelda, you've got Link. Right, we definitely you know. had that that feeling. I think we both mm -hmm. did. Is it like right at the end and then you're just like, oh, I, I want to keep playing the game because I want to see Zelda and I hope there's DLC or whatever because I want to see her try to rebuild the kingdom. And it seems mm -hmm. like, you know, now we're going to get that game. Yeah. I and I mean again like it, it's so this is say what you will about it but this is very special in that like Nintendo is deciding to continue a story uh that that ended in a way that could have been an end and, yeah. and they they walk in the sunset live happily ever after Hyrule is peaceful for another you know generation or two but they they've decided to showcase and we don't know we assume they're the same link same Zelda like this is a direct sequel uh, and we assume it takes post, you know, it takes place post Breath of the Wild. Um, and they're the, the story they're telling, they're saying it's supposed to, it's going to be much darker, uh, Which even darker I than Majora's Mask. Love because mm -hmm. I mean, Majora's Mask is my jam. It is my favorite Zelda game. It always will be my mm -hmm. favorite Zelda game. It is the best of life ever. But, um, I, I do love when they take, when they go down that creepier road and that's one thing like the there was this trailer was so creepy. It's like got offbeat, off tone music that backwards almost music. sounds. Yeah, like it's backwards music. But I did listen to it reversed and I was like, this still doesn't really sound like anything <laughs> to me. Um, but yeah, like it definitely it's like backwards, off tone, offbeat music. It's mm -hmm. got, you know, like creepy, um, like smoky looking necromancy, ghosty looking things. And then. You're, it, there's some glowy entity that's reviving Ganon, which it is Ganon internet. Come on. There's Ganondorf, a, you mean? Huh? So is it Ganondorf? You yeah, mean? like a, the dude that's always the bad guy. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Literally, so, he has a jewel in the middle of his forehead. That's like his calling card. In every iteration of the villain, mm -hmm. he always has that like forehead jewel in either. Sometimes it's a crown. Sometimes it's just an adornment, but it's always there. This thing they're reviving under Hyrule Castle, where you killed the last guy, it's, it's him. It's him. Everyone's like, oh, it looks like maybe it's a female villain and blah, blah, blah. But like, no, guys, it's come on. Guy. You're thinking about this too much. It's him. Well, it's always him. <laughs> and I mean, that's the thing is like if Nintendo wanted to hide the fact that this wasn't Ganondorf, they wouldn't have shown his face. They wouldn't have shown the jewel. Like yeah. they, they are strongly hinting if not confirming that this is <laughs> this is Ganondorf being revived. And the cool thing is like that trailer, uh, a lot of people have picked it apart and then looked at a bunch of different things. You've got, you know, uh, in every iteration of Ganon in Breath of the Wild, they all have the long flowing red hair. This character 
that, that's being revived has the long flowing red hair, has the jewel that, you know, there's, there's, I saw some very interesting parallels between, you know, Ganondorf and Zelda seeing Ganondorf for the first time in Ocarina of Time. They've mm. kind of mirrored a lot of stuff there. Um, and also they were looking at um, some of the murals in Breath of the Wild where they're telling, you know, the original story of uh, the hero fighting back against, you know, Ganon. And that character that was being portrayed there had the long flowing hair that the hero did. Yeah. So some people are thinking maybe they're going to, you know, oh, is this a story where, you know, Ganondorf is the is the good guy turned bad after fighting, you know, the evil. Like there's some really interesting stuff they can do here, especially with the timeline and having the branches and stuff where you can kind of say, well, maybe this takes place, um, you know, maybe this takes place where it was always Ganon. And then this is the first game that's introducing Ganondorf because we haven't had that mm. origin story for how Ganondorf became this big bad, you know, in Ocarina of Time, he just shows up and he gets the Triforce or whatever. And then he, yeah. he, 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 he goes nuts. But like maybe this game is setting up, you know, the reoccurrence in the timeline of Ganondorf always popping up. You know, uh, I think that you can do some really interesting things with a direct sequel. And and man, the, the vibes I was getting of maybe Twilight Princess in there, mm. like that's what I thought. Oh, this is the Twilight Princess Switch release. And then I kind of looked at it a little bit closer and was like, wait a minute. No, that's that's definitely the Breath of the Wild, you know, kind of art style. Yeah. Uh, and then it's pretty, you know, as soon as you see the blue tunics, you're like, oh, wait, no, this is Breath of the Wild DLC. Like, <laughs> but yeah, direct sequel, kind of crazy. And are you thinking this is going to come out like 2020 or are you thinking this is 2021? This is 21, I think. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that we see another Zelda in 2020. Uh, it's too soon. There's too much time between Zelda games in general. Uh, yeah, 2020 is just it's it's just too soon. Especially yeah. like this uh, is the ultimate of teaser teaser trailers, right? Like there are very, very small pieces of a flashy cinematic that obviously is cut from a larger sequence of things. And mm. there's a lot to kind of take in. There's been a lot of um, fan theories floated about, you know, Zelda being the playable character this time around. And is her hair shorter? So it's easier to animate short hair than long hair. So I think she'll actually be playable instead of just available in cinematics. Um, I hope because a lot of people are also saying there is a point in the cinematic where a hand like the hand that's reviving uh, the dead body, which is super creepy. And it like turns its head and like its eyes yeah. glow like with not just red, but these like really weird like pupils and stuff. It's it's creepy. It's super creepy. It's I, a really great I love trailer. it. But um, so good. Yeah, so there's the the hand that's reviving the corpse also grabs Link's hand. So there's a lot of people thinking, oh, maybe Link's not even playable. Maybe Zelda's the only playable character. And and I'm just like, uh, I would rather have the choice of playing between Link and Zelda, especially if the um, Zelda character has different abilities. Like if Link mm -hmm. does all his stuff that he normally does with, you know, bow and arrow and and the swords and shield and, you know, has that kind of gameplay. But then Zelda has like magical power gameplay. So you have like the choice between being like a warrior or being like a mage. That would be super cool. I would be all down yeah. for that. I just don't want to see Link replaced entirely. That to me seems super dumb and really forced. I don't I don't I don't think, you know, Anuma and the Zelda team want that either. Yeah, like they they've talked about making Zelda playable and they always and they and they I think they got crap for it when Breath of the Wild was was reaching, you know, its release. 
when they said like it would feel weird it would feel wrong to have a zelda game where you're not playing link yeah you know and a lot of people took that as like well what do you mean by that and it's like but no it's, well the it's- the one interview that i saw that maybe it was a lost in translation moment but really mm-hmm. rubbed me the wrong way is uh they were talking the quote that i saw was basically saying link can't be a girl because it would throw the triforce out of balance and i was oh, like well. what <laughs> that's okay. the dumbest excuse i've ever heard i a hundred percent am in the camp of right characters and make that the character and don't like gender bend, gender swap, all that kind of stuff. Like just write me a good male character, write me a good female character. Don't force anything anywhere. Just write the story you want to write. Link is a boy. Zelda's a girl. It's fine. That's this is fine. This is the story that you're telling. But give me a girl playable character. Let me play a Zelda. Mm. Give her a different kit than Link. That is all interesting gameplay stuff for me. But then when you throw shit out there that's just like it'll throw the Triforce out of balance in your make-believe fictional world that already has two boys and one girl. So like two to one ratio anyways. So how would it be out of balance if it was two to one the other way? It's so dumb. It's so stupid. It's like literally the dumbest thing I've ever read. But all that being said, like, I don't want them to just make Link a girl I or like give you the choice or whatever of how he's reincarnated. Like just... Make Zelda playable. That would be super neat. I, I mean, I wouldn't have any issue if if they had Link be female. I, I, I think Zelda is the one to me. And, and maybe this is, you know, uh, a, a, you know, me being, you know, picky. But I think Zelda is the one where I think you couldn't do a male Zelda. I, I, like Zelda has to be, you know, a female. But I, I think Zelda should still be a strong female character. But I think Link... He's not really, I don't know, like he could. Well, but I mean, like whatever, whatever logic you're applying to that, it just it seems very odd to me because basically the the whole idea is that all of these characters are just reincarnated over and over and over again. Right. That's how we keep getting them. So if you're Mm -hmm. saying it's totally fine that Link's reincarnated and is a girl, why could Zelda not be reincarnated and be a boy? You're you're yeah, you're you're rescuing the princess is showing, Ryan. (laughs) Well, I don't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. I meant that I thought that you could have like, you don't have to rescue the princess and you haven't done that in while. Well, okay. Yeah, sorry. You do that in every game. That is stupid. I don't mean it like that. I just think that the way Zelda is portrayed in the game, not necessarily the rescuing, but the way that she carries herself, the way that she interacts with characters, the way that she's portrayed. Um, you know, maybe, maybe she could be, maybe, yeah, you're right. Maybe but I again, am. like, I don't think that she should be a boy. I don't think that Link should be a girl. I think that you no. should just be able to play as either one of them because sure. they're, I think she's kind of like coming into her own, right? And that's, mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to show is that, you know, it was all about her not being able to be a hero and how she resented Link in Breath of the Wild. It was a lot mm-hmm. of like, she couldn't control her power. She didn't have the power she was, you know, foretold to have. And she really, really struggled. And even then, she ended up holding back the evil for 100 years while Link had a nap. So Mm, it's, uh, you know, like, I I think that now that we've dealt with the Breath of the Wild story, I don't see any reason why she wouldn't be a playable character because she did come into her own. The Breath of the Wild was much, much more, I think, about Zelda than it was about Link. Yeah, you know, no, you're right. And and I think that, you know, a theory I've heard uh, about, yeah, this Breath of the Wild sequels that maybe you do play as both, but you swap between in the mm. sense that maybe Link is stuck in the underworld 
and Zelda is stuck in the overworld, similar to a link between uh, link between, between worlds, worlds. <laughs> where you could kind of go back. Yeah. And you, you were still link and you just swap back and forth. But I think in this one, maybe, you know, they, maybe it's the twilight realm and link is stuck. Cause his arm, like you saw is kind of infected by this green. He's got, yeah, it's yeah. hard to tell with, with the trailer, but there's a lot of flashes and a lot of very small teaser mm-hmm. clips. So it is hard to tell, but yeah. that is but an exciting. interesting theory that, you know, like, Link gets pulled into somewhere and Zelda is left behind and she plays in the overworld and you play in the underworld and or I guess you play as both characters and swap back and forth, but they have their own adventures before they come together at the end. That could work too. But I do, yeah. I, I am in the camp of it looked to me like we're probably going to get Zelda in a playable character role. If for no other reason, then she's adventuring in a crypt with Link which is something Mm -hmm. that we never normally see her do. She's normally sequestered somewhere, whether it's, you know, um, in the castle, whether it's like in in Breath of the Wild, she was holding back the evil. So she was, you know, stuck in the castle again, whether it's, you know, even dressed up as chic, she still pops in and, you know, comes and goes and stuff. She's never been always like side by side with Link. It's Mm -hmm. always been a character that he's had to seek out. So I think the fact that they look like they're kind of starting the sequel with them side by side, right where they left off in Breath of the Wild, I think that that's that's kind of telling and it would be really cool to uh, to play as both, whether you get the choice or whether you swap between either way, I think she's going to be playable. And I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, they and there's obviously every time they have a interview with the with the Numa and the Zelda team, they've asked about this game and, and about who you're playing as. And they did ask, are you going to play as Zelda? Uh, and obviously he didn't answer that, but yeah. <laughs> but he did say, they did confirm that basically like it's the same overworld. So they're using the same Breath of the Wild map. I'm sure they'll- Which you could tell because right at the end of the yeah. trailer, they showed uh, the castle in the middle, like the, obviously they showed the Breath of the Wild map with the castle in the middle and then it was slowly raising, which was mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was very obviously the same uh, visuals and the same map. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. No surprise, probably there. But uh, I I'm thinking I'm thinking it's sooner rather than later. I don't think I think you're right. Like 2021 is probably a safe bet. Uh, but I just yeah, hope it's like, not longer than that. <laughs> me too. I, I I was kind of thinking about it. Maybe they stick with the March release and do an early 2021. But I could also seeing it see it being a holiday holiday. Yeah, I don't think anyone would really hold it against Nintendo if this was held off for another two years. But Nintendo has tried to get better at showing games and then releasing them soon after. But it is telling that they basically say, you know, sequel to Breath of the Wild is now in development. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that they have any hard release date in mind. They might have a soft like, let's try to get it out as soon as we can goal. But just mm-hmm. in development to me seems very, very early stages. So but I look mm-hmm. forward to, to seeing more of the Breath of the Wild sequel as much as I I mean, again, I think I ended up thinking that it was kind of about an eight out of 10 as opposed to everyone else's 10 out of 10. So I wasn't totally cold on this game. I, I thought it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't amazing. It wasn't great. It wasn't the best thing that happened to me that year, as a lot of video game reviewers seem to think it was so. Uh, But I think that's pretty much going to do it for our E3 coverage. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you'd like to talk to us and tell us what you thought about E3, you can do that either by emailing the show at info at or you can join the conversation over in our Discord, which is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. 
you can also visit visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.